Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Give you praise, glory, and adoration. We come once again to receive instruction. Our causes are bind in the tabernacle to receive of your blessings and goodwill. Thank you, Father God, for insight, revelation, and wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, so we just want to continue. This is going to be part number four. We're dealing with the genealogy of Jesus. This part number four. We've been able to establish the fact that genealogy has to do with all that pertain to that perhaps you can call generation and genealogy and that which flows out of a particular source, an individual and we've establishing the fact that Jesus' own genealogy includes everybody that has come to believe, that have come to know who Jesus is and have become part of the company of those that Jesus is risen on the face of the earth. They belong to a genealogy. Hallelujah. And so we want to continue this evening. And um, last week, I remember where we stopped has to do with the book of the generation of Jesus. And then we'll talk about the book of generation of Moses. Remember that. Right. So, mighty one one, we talk about the generation of Jesus Christ. And then we said in Exodus chapter 32, uh, we can just go back there. Exodus 32, verse 31 and 32 was where we tried to establish the genealogy of Moses. Praise God. And so in Exodus 32, verse 31, and Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, these people have seen a great sin, and have made them gods of gold. 32 says, Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of that book which thou hast written. And I tried to explain to us that what Moses was talking about here was simply that all the people that came from Israel, I mean Egypt, they become the people that formed the book that God had written. Your name are listed in that book because genealogy or generation speaks about those who belong to an individual who more or less become their source. You know, see, as, as a matter of fact, Moses was the head of that congregation. In fact, in Exodus 15, he said, I'm going to build the Lord a tabernacle, a habitation. And that's to say, he wants to put up a people together where God can dwell as this living temple. Amen? So, this speaks of uh, everything that has to do with all that Moses represented as far as bringing the people from captivity, the community of Israel, or through the wilderness, the laws that he gave, everything about Moses his life and death. Everything has to do with the book that God has written, which is now the book of Moses, if you will. Praise the living God. Alright, so now let's move down a little bit. If you look at Revelation 13 verse number 8. Revelation 13 verse number 8. And the Bible says, And all that dwell upon the, the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life, of the land slain from the foundation of the world. The book of life slain from the foundation of the world. 
we, we already know uh, the book of Jesus, the same thing, everything appertains to it. So the book of life of the Lamb, what is that supposed to mean? Now we are talking about some people whose name should be in this book of life of the Lamb. Uh, and when you talk about the life of the Lamb, it's like talking about the life of Jesus, which is the Lamb of God. Is that okay? Now if I, for instance, says, um, I'm reading the biography of Chief Obafemi Awolowo. What do you think I'm talking about? I'm reading everything that pertains to Chief Obafemi Awolowo. From birth to his educational status to his, I mean, political career. Everything speaks about the life of Awolowo. Is that okay? If I say I'm reading the biography of, for instance, Idi Amin of Uganda, the late Idi Amin, uh, some of you may not have known about that individual. Okay, so maybe I'll bring a little, something a little bit closer. What am I going to say? Okay, any political figure you can think about, for instance, okay, like your president. If I say I'm reading the book on the life of General Buhari, huh? or the president of the country, what you what you will understand is I'm reading everything about his life from birth to now he being president. Is that okay? Right. So the biography of a man is the story of the life of that individual. Is that okay? Right. If you want to take it in, you talk about okay, ex-president, for instance. You want to read the biography of um, Jonathan, the ex-president, the last president, but we are. You're just reading the biography of Jonathan means you're reading everything about Jonathan, where he was born, where he's living, where he lived, his parents, everything. His education, his political career, or to become a president. So when you talk about the life of the Lamb, you're talking about everything that has to do with who? The Lamb, which is Jesus Christ. That's what you're saying. You're talking about the biography of Jesus. Amen? Now, he's saying those whose names are not written in the book, right? He said, all that shall dwell upon the face of the earth shall worship him. That's the beast now. Whose names are not written in the Lamb book of life. That is to say, those who are not connected or impressed into the scope of the life of Jesus, they will worship the beast. I don't have room now to begin to interpret what the beast is in relation to history and what happened in the book of Revelation. Uh, those of you who follow me online, you can be probably able to see this. I did extensively last year uh, on Facebook on what the beast really stands for. Praise the living God. But you see, the base is not one man that is going to come from somewhere, like we have been made to understand in uh, whatever, religious circles and all of those things. The beasts have nothing to do with one man. Uh, when they talk about 666, you say people don't even understand what that stands for. It has nothing to do with the chip that is going to be placed in your forehead or your finger. I mean, whatever the case may be. If you read this story very well, you find that the Bible says those who worship the beast, they have the mark of the beast in their forehead and in their right hand. Why is it in the right hand? 
And that's why people get confused today when they talk about vaccine. They say vaccine is part of the mark of the beast. But most people I see receiving the vaccine, they are receiving it on the left hand. So it contradicts the scripture. If vaccine is the mark of the beast, why is it being received on the left hand side and not on the right hand side? Because the scripture talks about the right hand and the forehead. And I've not seen anybody receiving the vaccine on the people's forehead. That contradicts scriptures. Why are you putting it up to be the mark of the beast? Amen. Now, if 666 is mark of the beast, the first man that I said the mark of the beast in the Bible actually should be King Solomon. Go read about the work of Solomon. The King Solomon, the work of King Solomon was 666. So that means the first, the originator of number 666. It's all deception. People don't have understanding. In fact, you read your New Testament, the Bible tells us that one of the things that contradicts and make the word of God not effect is your tradition. The word tradition in the New Testament equals 666. So, basically, 666 is simply the fullness of mankind. The man have rebelled against God. Amen? Right, so we're talking about Adamic life and Christ life, if you want to put it in a very simple way. Is that okay? Praise the living God. So here we are told that those who are not reading the Lamb Book of Life, so here we are talking about the biography of the Lamb. That means some people's names are in that biography, by implication, their names are written there. In other words, if you are reading the biography of Jesus, you are going to find the name of these people right in that book. Praise the Lord. Are you there? Are you with me? Praise the Lord. So here we are actually talking about all the people that Jesus have influenced on the face of the earth. They are the ones whose names are written in the Lamb Book of Life. They are receiving his character. Uh, a few days ago, somebody saw me in the police station trying to get fuel. He came to me with a tract. And he was talking to me. He said, you know, the time is close. I mean, all that have been stopping Jesus from coming have been taken away. All the signs have been revealed. And we're just talking, talking. So I needed to give your life to Jesus. And uh, the next thing he said, are you a Christian? I said, no, I'm not a Christian. It's okay. So what are you? I said, I'm a child of God. It's okay. Run. Take this track. Go and read it. I know that. By the time we finish, and I wanted to leave. And uh, the attendant was asking me a question. And I said, tell your boss. Pastor David was around. He said, oh, so you are a pastor, but you say you're not a Christian. I said, yes, I'm not a Christian. I am a child of God. Jesus never called anybody a Christian. I mean, if you understand that. Nobody. They say, they call you Christian in the book of Acts because of the manner of the people, their conduct. It was a nickname and it was derogatory. It, it was like an insult to the company of those following Jesus Christ. Is that okay? Right. So when you bump on people with all those kind of questions and you don't really know who people really are, because you are using your mindset definition of who a child of God should be. Is that okay? Right. And then she was just looking so embarrassed. I said, but you told me. I said, yes, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I have the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the Son of God. And I am, if you want to call me a Christian, fine, but I'm a son of God, primarily. Amen? So while we're talking about those who have received the spirit of the Son into their life, these are those whose names are written in the Lamb Book of Life. Praise the living God. 
Are we there? Alright. So, it's not talking of one big book, like I said last week, written up somewhere that angels will open when you are dead and you find your name in it. No, no, no. It's not talking about that. That is too, too childish. As I showed us this last week. Let's quickly go now to the book of Philippians 4. Amplified translation. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 3. Philippians 4, verse number 3. And he says, And I exhort you to, my genuine young fellow, help those two women to keep on cooperating. For they have toiled along with me in the spreading of the good news, the gospel. As have Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names I am the book of life. Hallelujah. Now, whose names are in the book of life? It mentions people like Clement. It mentions some two women. It mentions their name. But they know the people that he was talking about. So, the question now is, if you must die, like I was saying last week, for you to be able to know or see your name, how come Paul saw the names of these people? Already in the book. They were still alive. They were still living. And Paul is saying, their names are right there. Where? In the book of life. So you don't need to die to know that you are in the book of life. You don't need to. What he's trying to say is, these are Christians. These are believers. These are men who really have imbibed the gospel. They are living their life by the influence of the spirit of Christ. That's what it means to be in the book of life. Praise the living God. So it's not something that will happen tomorrow. I always say this. If you don't know that your name is in the book right now, you will never be able to know. Amen. If you are a believer, you should be able to know you are a believer. If you are living under the influence of the Spirit, you should be able to know. Nobody can tell you anything outside of that. Praise God. Are we here? So the book of life had nothing to do. This book of life, the same thing as a lamb book of life. Because it is by his spirit that you come into this book. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. You know, Paul was writing sometimes, say, do we need one more time, you know, commendation or recommendation from people to be able to preach the gospel? He said, no. He said, you are a Episode written now with pen and ink. Is that okay? What that means is you are written by the Spirit. The Spirit have inscribed the Lord of God, the mind of God, the intent of God in your heart. And so your name is right there where? In the book of life. You don't need to die to know that. You are actually, as we are going to see, you are born again to have your name written where? In the book of life or the Lion book of life. Praise the living God. What Paul is saying here is this. These people are already in the family of God. They are believers. They are Christians. Right now on the face of the earth. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so they move on to that which we call Mount Zion. Now you remember in the scripture for instance. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Or which verse is this? But here we are talking about Abraham. Now looking for a city. Right? Okay, look at Hebrews 11. Let me see 11 and 10. and see if that's what I'm looking for. Just help me. Okay, fine. Hebrews 11, 
this Abraham now. For he looked for a city. Who had foundation? Which has foundation? Whose builder and maker is God? Look at the next verse. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of the child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. But the key point I want you to look at there is the verse 10. What do you find there? He looked for a city. Is that okay? With foundation and the builder was who? God himself. What city was this? Remember, it was supposed to be the city of God. Is that okay? He was looking for a city whose maker and builder is God. The city be by God himself. So what city is this? Let's quickly go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 again. Let's look at verse uh, 22. Hebrews 12, 24. Okay, you know what? Let's help ourselves. Let's go back to verse 19 and read down. Let me see. Okay, go back to verse 17. Now, for you know that that afterward when he will have inherited a blessing, he was rejected. Well, that's not exactly what I'm looking for. Look at verse 18. Let's look at it. Hebrews 12, 18. Look at verse 18. For you are not come. It's okay. For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched, might not be touched now, the case may be, and that burned with fire, for unto blackness and darkness and tempest. Look at the next thing. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that held entreated that the world should not be spoken to them anymore. Verse 20 says, For they could not enjoy that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it should be stoned. For trust true with the sword. Then the next thing said, And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quick. What is being described here? My Sinai. Is that okay? My Sinai. What the law was being given. Is that alright? Okay, look at the next thing. But, what is the but? You are now moving from one level of experience to another level of experience. Is that okay? Right. You didn't come to this, you come to this. Two things have been described. Two mountains have been described. Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. Is that okay? Right. So now, verse 12, 22 says, But you are come unto where? Mount Zion. I mean, Mount Zion. And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Amen? Now, I'd like you to drop down to, let's read it from the uh, message translation. Verse 22. Message translation. No, that is not your experience at all. Talking about Mount Sinai, right? You've come to Mount Zion, the city where the living God resides. You, you are not supposed to, listen, you've come to Mount Zion, the very city where God himself resides. And this is the city that Abraham was looking for. I will explain to you why Abraham could not find the city. And the Bible says, the individuals, invisible Jerusalem, is populated by throngs of festive angels. And then verse 23 says, and Christian citizens, did you get that? It is the city where God is judged, 
with judgment that makes us just. Praise God, somebody. Did you get that? The city where God Himself is judged, and this judgment makes us just. And that is the problem. I'm, I'm writing on one stop now on on the issue of the judgment, the white throne judgment. People don't even understand why the throne is white. You're talking about white throne judgment. So what they what they look for is a mighty seat, one man sitting with a face glowing, and there's some angel with wings by the side waiting for instruction. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Right. Wings waiting for instruction. Two angels are waiting, and one angel is now the center with a big book, and the angel are just there waiting for instruction to carry you. Do you know one thing? Angels don't have wings. It's religion that teaches you that angels have wings. Angels have no wings. The best description of those that have wings for the Bible are cherubim and seraphims, not angels. Hallelujah. Here you come, Jesus and God is judge. And anytime people look at you, they talk about judge. Look at this one. He judge us and that we became just people. That we became right. Judgment is not always condemnation. That's what people don't understand. They think anytime you face judgment, oh, it's finished. No. The same judge that says sentence this one to imprisonment, the same judge can say discharge and acquitted, or pay some fine, or go to prison with hard labor. It is still judgment. I don't know if you are following that. But people don't understand what judgment stands for. Judgment simply means a verdict. Now here you come to Mount Zion. The verdict is that you are a just person. What you come to Mount Zion. Amen. And they call it the place where the Christian citizens are. Look at the next verse. Praise the Lord. You've come to Jesus who presents us with a new covenant. A fresh shelter from God. He is a mediator of this covenant. The model of of Jesus, unlike Abel, is a homicide that has cried out for vengeance because of a proclamation of grace, or became the proclamation of grace. Now, look at verse, I want you to t- look at this from verse 23 again. Let's look from the Amplify 23. There is something I'm pursuing that I want you to get. And to the church, assembly of the firstborn, who are registered, this is what I want you to get. Register are what? Citizens. Praise God. In where? In heaven. We've been registered as citizens where? In heaven. Not when you die before you know this. When you come to Mount Zion, go to the church of the living God, you have been registered. And get what? This is the church which is the heavenly Jerusalem. It's different from the church that was in the wilderness which Moses wrote. If you will, the book of Moses was the church where? In the wilderness. Is that okay? Praise the living God. They have their laws externally, but the church which is the Fogburn's church, which is the church where you belong to, you have the laws where? In your heart. That's why it's a new church, a new covenant. So you don't die to experience this or to know this. You are born into it. For instance, if a child is born today in the hospital, what happens? They give a birth certificate from the local government. Which proves that that child is a citizen of that place. Is that okay? Right. So as a matter of fact, you have birth certificate and you have death certificate. 
That certificate proves the number of persons that have died in our local government. The birth certificate proves the number of persons that are born into our local government and into the country. Hallelujah. Are you done with me? So the day you were born as a child of God, you have your birth certificate indicating that you are a citizen of where? Of heaven. You just have to know that. I belong to heaven. I am in heaven. That is my own space of life. Remember, this city is heavenly Jerusalem. I don't know if you are getting that. You don't have to die to come to this city. You have to believe in born again to come to this city. Praise God. Are we still here? Alright. So, we don't have Mount Sinai experience. We have a different experience entirely as we come to the Lord. So the city of the living God is the church of Jesus Christ, which is born with what? His own blood. That is the heavenly Jerusalem. Why is it called heavenly Jerusalem? Because it's different from Jerusalem in the Middle East. That is why it is completely religious for you to think that the only way for you to contact God and get God experience is to go to Jerusalem. Going to Jerusalem is simply a pilgrimage. I mean, it's, it's, it's simply an excursion. It's simply trying to see some historical things. Not because you find God more there. Jesus said in, in John chapter 4, they will not worship God in this mountain, nor in Jerusalem. But they that worship God, I worship in the spirit world and in truth. He said that to the woman of Samaria in John chapter 4. Hallelujah. So you don't need to travel to get into God or to get God or to relate to God. You've got to be in God while you are here, born by the Spirit of God. You connect to God. You come to that city. Now Abraham was looking for the city. The city never came into existence because then the city had not been made manifest because Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. The city came into being on the day of Pentecost. I don't even get in that. Right. And everybody that have experienced the spirit, been moved, been joined to the church, has come to that what is called Mount Zion. So, there is a dis- differentiation between Mount Zion and Mount Sinai. And when you come to Mount Zion, you receive a new identity. And now you are a citizen of heaven. You are residing in a heavenly sphere. You got to understand that. Your location presently is heavenly as compared to an earthly location before you came to the Lord Jesus. And we are saying that this church is bought by the blood. I'll give you an example. Act 20 verse 28. Act 20 verse 28. Hallelujah. This is what it says. Take it therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the quiz, the Holy Ghost had made the overseers to keep the church of God that's to feed the church of God which he had purchased with what? His own blood. Feed the church of God which has purchased with what? His own blood. Which church is this? The Mount Zion that you come into. How did he purchase with his own blood? Remember God is spirit. I mean, John 4, 24. Is that okay? Right. So, if God is spirit, there is no way he can pour down his blood without coming through a man. 
So, you see, you read about the church of Christ. Now you are reading about the church of God. Are they different? No. This blood was the blood of God that was flowing in the vein of Jesus Christ. It never had your natural blood. The blood that was in was the pure blood of God. Why? Because it is the father that supplies the gene of the child. Is that okay? Right. So he took his blood from God and he took his flesh from man. Because he had to identify with man to be able to redeem man. So he had to take the flesh from Mary. But the life, which is the blood, came from who? From God. So the blood that was poured out on the day of Pentecost, I mean, on the crucifixion, was the blood of God. Why? What was going on there? You find that in Exodus 21 verse 24. Exodus 21 verse 24. This is simply the reason. He said, for an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. By implication, anytime you pay him back or redeeming an object, you pay the equivalent of that price. What he's saying here, somebody blind your eye, then you're going to blind the other person's eye. So if it is the right eye, then if you want to blind the other person's eye, it must be the right eye. Don't blind the left, you got an eye for an eye. So if it is right eye, it must be right eye. Is that okay? So if you're paying back vengeance, make sure you pay the equivalent of what was the offense to you. So if somebody cut off your left ear, don't go and call the right, call the left ear. That is the law. That is what he's saying. So what is going on here is this. Man cannot fulfill this. There is no way man can redeem man because the blood in man is not the equivalent of the original blood that was corrupted. I don't know if you are getting this. And that is why the Old Testament could not work. Why? Because the Old Testament was sacrificing animal blood. Now the animal blood are not the equivalent of the blood of a man. The blood of Adam was pure and higher than the blood of animal. Adam has fallen. To get Adam back, you require the exact blood that Adam had before the fall. Are you getting that? Good. So that is what the law is saying here. So now for God to do that, he has to redeem man by the equivalent of the blood that was a man before the fall. And for that to happen, he has to become a man called Jesus. Are you following me? Yeah, he has to become a human being with the blood, the original blood. So now, see, redemption has to do with the equivalent of what you are buying. To buy back, redemption means to buy back. So what that means is, for instance, if you broke, if I have to go to the market to say I'm buying this tablet right in the market, there is a price for the tablet. Is that okay? If I pay that price, if I have to give out the monetary value of that price, I get a tablet. So my tablet is equivalent to how much I paid for it. I don't know if you're getting that. Right. So your value, your value is equivalent to the blood that Jesus shed, which is the blood of God. So your value for today is completely different from the value you had when you were in Adam. Now you have the purchase. Remember, the Bible says purchaser with his own blood. The blood of Jesus. So the equivalent of the blood that is required to get you back is what Jesus shed. Praise the living God. Now all of this never happened when Abraham was alive. 
So Abraham was looking for a city would be our maker is God. Now it was through the blood of Jesus that now we can come into the city. Are you following that? Right. So now you know how to behave yourself. Exodus 20, 28. You know, in relation to the church which the Lord bought with what? His own blood. Which is the blood of God. Praise the living God. Alright. So this is just the meaning of this. And I for an arm, the two for a two, meaning you can't get back what you were supposed to get except you have the equivalent of that thing that you need to get. And so man cannot get back himself. Neither can animal get back himself. You see, have you realized those who do animal sacrifices, they graduated to human sacrifices, right? Good. The efficacy, more or less, is completely different. One is more potent than the other one. Are you getting what I'm talking about? But still, most of what is being done cannot produce life. Why? Because most of the people also that are being killed, they're actually having corrupted blood. They don't have the blood of God yet. I don't know if you're following that. And that will tell you something also that if you truly have the blood of God and you have the mark of God on your forehead, all of those people cannot be able to do anything to you because there's a protection and a place of being sealed and preserved by the blood of Jesus. Praise the living God. Are we still here? All right. This is why the other time I told you, you are not supposed to be pleading the blood of Jesus on all kind of people. Because what you are doing, you are pleading the blood of God upon their life. And the blood is meant to preserve you. The blood is meant to give you life. Now if you are pleading the blood of Jesus upon an enemy, that means you are asking God to release his own life upon that enemy. Now if you have it this way, that when you are doing that so that the person will repent, beautiful. Right? Because if you contact with the blood of God, with the spirit of God, there will be repentance. But if you are doing it for the person to die, you make it a big mistake. Because the life of God is not going to destroy. God doesn't come to destroy people. The life in Jesus is life to give life salvation. Remember what he said in the book of Hebrews? He said the blood of Abel is crying for vengeance, but the blood of Jesus is crying for grace. Are you understanding that? So if you plead the blood on people because you want them to die, you're wasting your time because the blood is going to give them grace. Instead of killing them, they're going to come back to God. If that is the reason why you played in the blood, fine. But if you are pleading it for your own defense, you're wasting time. Praise the living God. God's blood is his own life which has given to you to become a property that belongs to him. By implication, if you think you're going to plead the blood on tires, you are saying God owns the tires. Okay, fine. Praise God. Go ahead doing that. But you should understand that you are devaluing the very blood of Jesus Christ. You are, you are, you are devaluing the very, the very life of God. You are desecrating, if I may use the word, the very life of God. For you to bleed the blood of Jesus on tires and on steroids, something is wrong with your head. You don't understand the value of the blood. Praise God, somebody. Are you still there with me? Right. So this is why the animal blood in the Old Testament cannot redeem man because they are not the equivalent of the blood of a man. And so you don't come to the city, neither you either born into the city. You're just not coming there. You're born into the city. You know God through his spirit. You become one with him in the assemblies of his son. You become a citizen of this kingdom. And I shared with you time before now the importance of being in the kingdom, the importance of being a citizen and the value of being a citizen. And, and you know what that means? You see, no, no power in another country, thank you Jesus, no power in another country or anywhere else have right to pick you as a citizen of this country. And how I many of you understand? Think about that. For the United States, if the citizen 
What was that? Ah, I forgot it. But I think early this year, one of our citizens around the Lake Chad or whatever was kidnapped or something like that. What happened? We are made to understand they came down and got to get out of the den of these people. You don't play with American citizens. You don't understand that? And think about it. That's the natural world. They have all the power anywhere. Even if they I remember uh, Apostle Bugis, some of you should know him. Remember that. that group. Apostle Bugis was in this country, minister for us, and then he went back home, and then he came back and he went to, I think, uh, Liberia or somewhere there. No. Yeah. You know, to do meetings, and then he died there. Guess what? When information got to the U.S., they were asking the wife, should we allow them to bury him over there or to get him back to America? The corpse was to be flown back to the United States because a United States citizen. That's how serious it is. Now you tell me, if the natural world can value their citizen that much, how much more God? That's to tell you that you belong to a place and not all persons have right to touch you as a citizen of heaven. Not all persons have right to touch you. They touch you, they touch heaven. The military enforcement of heaven will show up if we truly know exactly who we are. Hallelujah. Are we still here? Remember he said, we are in this city with numerous company of angels surrounding us, walking with us with the spirit of just my main prophet. How come in the state that we are today that people can enter the church, do all manner of things where be the angels that were meant to guide us? That means we are not truly where we are supposed to be. That means we are just a bunch of religious people. We are not truly who we are supposed to be as citizens of heaven. I'm trying to make you understand this. That there's a lot, a lot of defense and protection for you for being a citizen of heaven. If we keep with the rules, if we walk by the dictates of the spirit of Christ, we have protection, we have defense from all forms of powers and enemies and demons, if you will. Praise God. Are you there? So when you're born again by the Holy Spirit, that's what registered you as a citizen where? In heaven. Then your name is where? In the book of life. Praise the living God. Are we still here? Right. I want you to get this because very, very, very important. You become a citizen of heaven. And one of the qualities, Hakuranda, one of the qualities that begin to flow in your life as a citizen, your re-identity, your re-identity is found in Galatians 5. 22 to 24. Hallelujah. Galatians 5, 22 to 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Verse 23. Meekness, temperance, against all, there is no law. In other words, no law works against this. No law can stop this from operating. Hallelujah. Amen. The key thing is this is your re-identity. This is your passport. Oh glory. In the kingdom, this is your passport. This is what makes heaven to recognize you. You see, I believe in the gift of the spirit. 
Somebody, some people will tell you, well, if you don't have the gift of the Spirit, then you are not born again. That is not true. Amen? That is not true. And there are faces in that which is called the gift of the Spirit. But what we do in church, we measure the gift of the Spirit only by speaking in tongues. And that is too erroneous. There are 12 gifts. Why do you think only tongue is the ultimate thing to identify you as a child of God? That is very erroneous. What about faith? What about wisdom? Think about that. How does that gift? But the true character. We're not talking of gift. We're talking of character. The true character of the Son of God is Galatians 5. Praise the living God. And I believe God ultimately wants you first to have this before talking about the gift. You can have all of those gifts and still be fighting and quarreling and backbiting, gossiping. Oh, come on. But those are not the character of this fruit of the Spirit. Your real character is those things should die in your life. But I'm saying you can have the gift and still be operating in all of those things. And that's why Paul was speaking to the Galatian church. I can't speak to you as mature people, as spiritual people, because you are sick, Kana. You gotta find among you there is quarreling, there is biting, there is gossiping, there is division among you. No, that is not the life of a Christian. Are you getting what I'm talking about? So it's not about a gift, it's about a character. And the character is found in the fruit of the Spirit. You can have all of those gifts and miss out on the character. But I think what really have your name in the book is the character, not the gift. Anybody can have a gift. Without, listen to me. If I walk the street and I see a beggar and I bless them with money, does that make them part of me? Come on, talk to me. Ephesians 4, the Bible says he gave gifts even to the rebellious people. How many of you understand that? Even to the rebellious, he gave them gifts. If I'm walking the street and I see a cripple and I give them money, what have I done? Are they part of my family? No. Do they belong to me? No. They don't have identity with me. They don't receive my gift. But they are still there. They still belong to another family. But what qualifies them? If they have to become to my family, that means my life has to be in their life. Not the gift. And there's a life of God that has to be in your life. So what really identifies you as a child of God is the fruit of the Spirit, not the gift of the Spirit. Quote me anywhere. Hallelujah. And that is why I discovered that I used to say this. It looks funny. If speaking in tongue is what qualifies you to be uh, maybe a heavenly person, whatever the case may be. Remember, speaking in tongue, which another language. What about the donkey that spoke in another language? What happened? The donkey that spoke in another language, unto Prophet Balaam. Does that make the donkey a human being? But he spoke the language of a man for the donkey to understand. That means the donkey spoke another language. Because nobody spoke as an animal. He spoke as a human being. For Balaam to understand what the donkey was talking about. Does that make the donkey born again? Because the donkey spoke in tongues. Praise God. I don't know if you're getting this. In my early times in CAC Church, Christ Apostolic Church, we had, we went for witnessing and then we converted a lady. That this lady never had been to school before. She had never been to school before. But in her shrine, she has seven Bibles, King James, seven Bibles. And when she entered the shrine, she wanted to prophesy, do things for you. She will read Bible. She will open the Bible and she'll be reading the Bible. She has never been to school. 
Never for once been to school. She be reading the Bible and she prophesied through the Bible. And she got those powers from not from God, from the demon that were walking around her. We brought her to church, collect all the seven Bibles from her, and instantly she shut down. She couldn't read anymore. She couldn't understand anymore. The power that working for the left. I don't know if you are getting this. I traveled out. I was in River State then. I came back after about two months. I was trying to look for this woman in church. She was no longer in church. Within two months I heard about, she went back and said, no, she can't keep on with this life. When she was in the shrine, she could read the Bible and prophesy. Now she come to church. Her eyes are blinded. No. That is why, listen, if you really want to convert somebody, give them something that is higher than the life that they have. Because we couldn't make her read. The church we brought her into couldn't make her see something higher with another spirit. She went back to her old life. And you don't blame her. When I came out, they said, oh, she had backslid. I said, she never backslided. We never in this church could give to her what she needed in her life. The spirit in her, a hungry for something higher and deeper and bigger. But you came here to play religion. That's why the woman went back. Don't blame her. If you can't give to people, say, why do you have to go to church? If the life you were living before, or deadness, no spiritual experience, no spiritual encounter with the heavenly spirit. I mean, what's the use being in church? Just coming, dancing, and shouting, and wailing, and falling down, and getting up, enjoy yourself, and treat yourself, and that's what makes you a child of God? No! Praise God. So what am I saying? It's not about the gift, it's about the fruit. Because the fruit, the character of God. If you want to see people, you can describe them by the character that they carry. That man is so haughty. That man is so angry. That man is so... Those are characters. I don't know if you're getting that. Those are characters. They are nature. So we're talking about the nature. Remember, we're talking about those who are reading the Lamb Book of Life. So remember, he was the Lamb. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's take this. I think we'll close to what today. Revelation 21, 24. But I want to tell you that if anything must describe your life, it has to be Galatians 5, 23. And it starts with what? Love. Love does not pretend. You want to find out, you go back to the book of 1 Corinthians 13 and read all about love. If you truly think you love, go to 1 Corinthians 13. And Paul will say, if I have all of those wonderful gifts and all of that, and I don't have four original that in, I must do nothing. Hallelujah. Revelation 21, 24. We'll stop here today. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk at Clambura Sahaja in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Talking about the city. And the gates of it shall not be shut all day by day. For there shall be no night there. Hallelujah. And they shall bring the glory and honor of all the nations into it. And they shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh lie. But they are written in the land book of life. Hallelujah. Those who walk, I mean, who are written in the land book of life. This is going to be their experience. They have the life of God. What's the next thing that happened? The Bible said, they'll, 
all those people, like in verse 20, go back again to verse 20. Let's just read it again back to verse 20, 20. Go back to 24. Go back again to 24. Let's read for 24. Remember, it's describing the holy nation now. We're talking about the heavenly Jerusalem. The Bible says, All the nations of the earth which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and their honor into it. The glory and honor of a man is the wealth of a man. Is that okay? All those whose name are written in the Bible book of life, they shall walk in the light of the glory, those who are saved of this city. That means the city carries glory. The city carries light. And so if you've come to that place, that expression of God, walking in the light of the glory of this city, men are meant to come to you, bringing in their honor and their glory. In other words, man blesses you. Man honors you. Oh, glory to God. Is anybody getting this? Why? Because you are in the city. And the gate of the city shall not be shut. That is to say, your life is an expression of his glory and life. And people normally have to come in. A gate that is not shut, that means there is no way anything. Think about it. Why do you have gate? You have gate to keep away enemies. Are you there with me? You have gate to keep away enemies. That's why people will think about heaven to be a geographical location. They miss it. If you think about heaven with seven gates, whatever. Why do you need walls in heaven? Why do you need gates in heaven? To protect God? To protect Jesus? Walls are meant for protection. Gates are meant to keep off enemies. Hallelujah. But here, this new day, this new light, the whole city is open. Men are coming in and bringing in their honor, bringing in their glory. Everyone whose name is written in the Lamb Book of Life comes to the place where men will minister life to you, minister substance to you. You don't beg for them. You are already favored. You are already blessed. And the glory of God is upon your life. The men will bring in their glory and your honor to you. Look at the next thing. And the gates of it shall not be shut. Can I hear an amen? All day by day, for there shall be no night there. No walking in the natural. No walking under the flames of the enemy. No night there. We are not children of night. We are children of the day. Darkness far away from you. For those who are walking in the influence, under the influence of the genealogy of Christ, darkness is far away from them. Hallelujah. Look at the next thing. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Can I hear amen? The church is meant to be a reservoir of all that men are bringing in. The wealth and the glory of men are meant to be brought to the church. Glory to God. That's why when Nehemiah was bringing people brought. Cyrus made a decree. All kings, all nations begin to bring in money, begin to bring in vessels, begin to bring in timbers to build a temple in Jerusalem. Why? Because this is the city of God. Hallelujah. Look at the next thing. And there shall be no wise enter into anything that defileth. Can I hear an amen? Neither whatever walketh abomination or maketh a lie. But they which are written where? In the land book of life. We are the only one qualified to walk in the city. You can have all of those negative spirits and expect you to be of a benefit in the house of God or for the house to be of benefit to you. That is not true. 
anything that defile it, anything that walk it a lie, God said they can't come into the city. This is why you find that you are in the city and you are not getting some of the things you are supposed to get. The blessing, the glory of God are supposed to come towards you. They are not there because your life does not correspond to the life of the Lamb book of life. What I mean is the Lamb quality is missing in your life. The character of the lamb is missing in your life. Though you can be in the church. And you've been wondering why things are not happening the way they are supposed to happen to you. This is the only reason. Is anybody understanding what I'm saying here? There's a dimension of glory you receive for walking as a lamb. If it was a lamb, we're going to become a lamb. And somebody says, well, it's also a lamb of the tribe of Judah. I will share that with you as we progress. Hallelujah. But you remember, the Bible talks about the lion and the lamb lying down together. Oh, glory. Come on, have you read that in the Bible? Good. That means all your hot anger will come down to the very state of that of a lamb. All your devouring spirit be subdued. In fact, when a lion rides into your life, it destroys everything that does anger and brings you to the level of a lamb. Praise the living God. That is only when the lion and the lamb will lie down together. Praise God. We we'll come to that. But to be in the book of life is to walk in the city. What is the city? Mount Zion. Where is Mount Zion? Right now. Made up of spirit of the departed saints. Made up of angels. God is right here with us. Jesus is right here with us. We are all together in this very city which is called the city of God. That came into existence right on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. There's protection for you. I'm, I'm just saying there's protection for somebody here. I see you have fear. I see you have fear in your spirit. But God is assuring you that there's the protection for you. There is defense for you. Right now, there's protection for you. God has come to protect you. Have your faith in God. Keep still and see that God is God. He's going to define ways to make you know that He is there for you. He has promised not to forsake you, not to leave you alone. So there's protection for you. So let the spirit of fear depart from your life right now in the name of Jesus Christ. You are healed of that spirit now. Every doubt in your heart is disappearing. Faith is coming back to you. No sickness is draining your life. You are in the city. The character of God is upon your life. Nothing that defies or make abomination comes into your life because you are now the city of God. Praise God, somebody. I love you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.